0: Uh, Psalm 7, would you turn over there, Psalm 7, laying in bed, my alarm went off, and I was sitting there thinking, wow, this feels so early this morning, must be the time change, how horrible it is, I lose an hour of sleep, and I got up and my clock in my study is not reset, and I'm like, what are you talking about, you gained an hour of sleep, right, so I slept an hour longer than, you know, than, than I normally do. So just funny how you're, it's an example of how your perception or perspective of things, you know, you talk to yourself rather than let yourself talk to you because you can convince yourself of things that that aren't actually true, which is also why we need the Bible, because the Bible rightly interprets reality. And here is a psalm of David. Um which he sang to the Lord about somebody else. Here is David um, talking about a Benjamite, um, and it is an appeal to God, an appeal to God uh, to vindicate him based upon some specific allegations. Um, So, I don't know if you've ever had a situation in your life where someone thought something of you that wasn't true, Um, whether someone said something about you that wasn't true, Um, and if that hasn't happened to you, um, you know, in some dramatic way, you have somebody that does that on a daily basis. He's called the accuser of the brethren, (laughs) the devil says things about you to yourself on a regular basis that, that are not true, that, that's not true. And so this psalm is very helpful as you think about being falsely accused or, um, or otherwise. So let's read it and then we'll, we'll, we'll pray. It says, O oh Lord, my God, in you I have taken refuge. Save me from all those who pursue me and deliver me or he will tear my soul like a lion, dragging me away while there is none to deliver. O oh Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is injustice in my hands, if I have rewarded evil to my friend, or have plundered him without cause, or, who ha- or have plundered him who without cause was my adversary, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it and let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory to the dust. So there's the first section, the first of five verses. It's a pretty strong appeal. So there's an accusation, and he immediately goes to God. The first thing that he says in the accusation is not defend himself to the other person. He appeals to the Lord. He looks to the Lord. Oh, Lord, my God, I have taken refuge in you. First place he looks. First place that you should always, you should always go. What's our first inclination? Defend ourselves. Tell everybody else why what this guy thinks is you know not actually true. So he appeals. He appeals to the Lord, and he basically says, "Lord, you're you're my security. You're my refuge. You're the only, You're the you're the one that I hope in, regardless of the outcome." I mean, there are times in life when the Lord allows. Uh, false accusation to actually stick for his own for his own purposes, and that feels really uh, really bad. Look at what else he does, though. He then asks God to, who knows the truth, to expose him. I mean, now this is tough. Not only are you appealing to God, you're saying, God, you know. So one of the first things that you you, you do when you have criticism or an accusation. Is you don't overreact, you don't defend yourself, you appeal to the Lord, um, but then you, you you say to God, um, you, you know. So a, a mature man is able to take criticism, and is able to allow what what's untrue to roll off his back, because a person has a perspective, and that perspective may be wrong, maybe partially wrong, partially right, and you may think that it's. It's all right, so you've got to sift through your own heart. So a mature man is able to take the criticism, throw off what's untrue, and own what is true. So you have to be able to look at it through, you know, get yourself out of the way and look at it with mature eyes, and, and David's teaching us how to do that here. You appeal to the Lord, not others, and then you say, Lord, you know. Search me. Uh, try not just my actions, but my motives, because that's, that's the level to which the Lord... The Lord looks, and then he says, if it's true, let what this man says about me come to pass. Let, <laughs> let, it, let it be taken away. Let it be whatever, which is, shows his level of trust in God. You don't, you don't do that unless you know that the Lord is good, and he does good, and he's just in all those cases. I mean, think of the trust that David is putting, putting in the Lord. Um. And then he doesn't know of anything. He asks the Lord, but, but Lord, if, if, if this is right, you know, if you're right in any way, then, then, uh, then allow it to happen. Allow me to lose this promotion. Allow me to, you know, to um, whatever the, the circumstance is. And then look at 6. Arise, O oh Lord, in your anger. He's convinced that this is, this is, uh, this is not just. It's not a just accusation. It says, Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift up yourself against the rage of my adversaries and arouse yourself for me. You have appointed judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples encompass you and over them re- return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity that is in me. Now he's, he's calling on God to go to his defense. So you don't defend yourself, you let God defend you. And the only way that you can do that is by appealing to the Lord to begin with, not, not to other men, but, but to the Lord, and, and then laying yourself bare before the Lord, saying, Lord, you know my heart, you know all things, so I'll trust you in whatever happens, the circumstances. Um, and then, after you do that, then you call on the Lord to come to your defense, uh, to your, your, your vindication. Which is what he's doing here. Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, O Lord. Verse eight. According to my righteousness, according to my integrity that was is within me. O oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end, and but establish the righteous. For the righteous God tries the hearts and the mind. David is is, is again laying himself before the Lord, trusting in the Lord. Verse 11, God is the righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. Um, well, you might think of Paul. Uh, when Paul was, was arrested for doing the right thing and the Lord reminded Paul that no, you're not guilty of doing anything wrong, but but this is part of my plan. <laughs> you're gonna go. You're, you're gonna be put in chains, and you're gonna preach the preach the gospel. You never know what God is doing in circumstances, but but here David is continually keeping himself uh, before the Lord. And then in verses 12 through through 16, David David and talks about repentance. He says, if a man does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. He has bent his bow and made it ready. He has also propelled for, for himself deadly weapons. He makes his arrows, fiery shafts. Behold, he travails with wickedness. And he conceives mischief and brings falsehood. He has dug a pit and hollowed it out, and he has fallen into the hole which he made. His mischief will return upon his own head and his violence will descend upon him. And now David starts talking about whoever this man is who is falsely accusing him. Um, the Lord will, will allow the very thing that this man is doing to fall on his own head. So he looks to the Lord. Lord, you know my heart. Search me. If I've done wrong, allow the wrong to happen to me. Um I'm appealing to you to defend me. Uh, you can do that better than I can. I don't always know what you're doing, but you know my heart, you know everything perfectly. You know this other man or this other situation. So allow uh, um, the very thing that he is doing in this false accusation to come back on come back on his, on his own head. And so that is the psalm that we have the day. So I don't know exactly how that how, how that applies to you or how that'll apply to you today, but it is a tremendous psalm. Let's pray. Father, we are far more wicked than we, we know ourselves to be. I think of the Apostle Paul telling the Corinthians that he was clear in his conscience. He he knew of nothing um, that he had done to them or that was blameworthy before then. But then he goes on to say, 1 Corinthians 4, but, but that doesn't equip me. I'll have to wait till the judgment where God tries the motives, sees things that man can't see to be, to be proven innocent or, or guilty in a, in a matter. And so, Father, we think about our own hearts this morning, and we, we acknowledge you see all, you know all, you evaluate down to the motive, and we're to live in the light. We're, we're to live uh, void of offense between God and man. And then we're to trust that, that you're sovereign and that you're working in that. Um, and that you're bringing about your good purposes in us and around us. And so while we we know of nothing, we should know of nothing uh, before you and before others. We, we, we still acknowledge that you see level of the heart, um, you see farther than we can see, you see things we can't, and so in humility we, we, we hold the, the final verdict loosely, and um, thank you that you are our shield, thank you that um, there is no, no evil that can befall us, that, that is not uh, not sifted through your hand, approved by you, or, or turned away. So I pray, Lord, that even today that you would help us to learn how to be godly men, men that not only know the truth but practice the truth. And also pray that, uh, that maybe some of these men, some of these other folks that will be on our church campus today for voting, for, for other reasons, um, you might draw them here, that they might hear the gospel in some way. May we serve them well, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we are talking here about foundational convictions. And we're just grinding through this because it's so helpful. And if you remember, the purpose of this series is that, to drive home foundational convictions. So because of our, of our heart, we, we battle the world, the flesh, and the devil. Sanctification doesn't happen in, in lightning bolt strikes, uh, it's not like getting, uh, you know, uh, uh, an immunization. You jab it in there and you're good to go. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, it's a daily thing. It's, it's like rain, uh, the, the, the kind that, that's steady. It's not downpours that rolls off, but it's just a, a steady rain that falls on our hearts when the truth does that Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, day after day after day, and it seeps down uh, into our souls, uh, like oil in the bones. And it actually begins to transform us um, day, day by day. Or you might think of it like when you're talking about these foundational convictions, these, these things, these are these are anchor points in your life. So the, 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 the word's raining on you, but you have to grab hold of certain foundational convictions. These are things that scripture teaches. These are not things that that a denomination teaches, or you know, Pastor Brian teaches. These are doctrinal truths. These are these are foundational boulders. Um, these are railroad sti- uh, railroad spikes that that come from Scripture uh, that will hold your, your 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 life. And so we have hold of these things, and we're striking them with a with a sledgehammer over and over and over, driving them deep down in our hearts. Uh, so whenever the Whenever the wind comes, uh, or if you use the railroad analogy, when the train comes rolling over the tracks and it comes down the, it comes down the tracks on a regular basis, the, the, the railroad ties don't move. Um, so these foundational convictions are, are geared toward the church. Uh, you you want to be, be churchmen. You want to build your life in the church, around the church. Uh, you want the church to spill over on you. So we want a stronger commitment. So we talked about having a working biblical literacy We talked about having a right perspective of of leadership. We talked about taking the word and working it out, applying it to the hardest questions of life. Don't just have a general faith, a specific faith. Don't be afraid of the hard questions. Don't immediately explain them away with with some what you think or your philosophy. Um, Don't worry. God is able to vindicate his truth. People have been trying to destroy the Bible and twist it for thousands of years it's the lord's truth and so what is true is found in this book and you don't have to worry about uh about god about god failing ask the question Uh, make sure that your answer is coming from the bible make sure it's not coming from your own heart or or men so ask those questions that'll deepen your faith it won't shake it and then number four know how to develop uh convictions which means convictions in others, you've got to have them yourself. Have a right perspective of yourself. Have a right perspective of longevity. Don't fall for fads or gimmicks. Have a right perspective of influence, which is the section that we're on. Influence. Influence in your home, influence at work, influence in church, influence with your wife, influence with your children, your grandchildren, your friends. Influence with strangers. You must not measure that influence on a superficial level. What is influence? Um, people can evaluate their actually being influential by the number of people that will listen to them. Their, their outgoing personality. Or on the flip side, let's say you don't have an outgoing personality. You, you, you can fall to the trap and think, well, I can't really influence anybody. I can't do what pastor does or I can't do what whoever you see on TV does. So I must not be able to have a spiritual influence. That's the wrong way to think about influence. Influence is not who you can get to to listen to or how many people that, 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 that are there. All spiritual influence, true influence, flows from a godly character. It doesn't matter whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. You can have godly character. And that godly character then influences others. Now, I'm not saying that... If you're you know, shy, backwards, you don't like to talk to people, That, that you might not have to work on that. Um, I will hear people that will come to the church, not just here, but, but anywhere else, not get plugged in, and then where are they at? You know, Like a year later, and you, you go back and talk to them, and they say, well, I just didn't feel connected, or I didn't get connected, or nobody talked to me. And then when you ask, when you when actually you know who you're talking about, they come in on Sunday. They sit in the back corner of the church with with them and their wife, and they don't talk to anybody else, and they wait for everybody else to come and talk to them. That's not the way you should get plugged into a church. Then all godly character, though, flows from a life of humility and, and faith. If godly character is what you want to develop, you want to influence other people, you want to be used by God, develop godly character. Character. Characteristics. Not superficial, but these are things that mark you. These are characteristics. The character of Christ begins to mark your life. And it's godly characters. These are the characteristics of Christ. And then how do you get that? How, how, how does Christ mark your life? To the point where someone says, when I look at Brian, this, this is what I see. These are the characteristics that are, that are jutting up in his life. You want an example of that? Look at 1 Timothy 3 or Titus. The, the qualifications of an elder or a deacon are simply you stand back and you look at that man's life and you see you know, yeah yeah I think servant you know whenever I, I think of, of 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 Dave Miller I think servant I mean it, it's not like oh yeah 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 um, I uh, uh, I have to be explained it has to be explained to me why someone says that Dave Miller's a servant. No, no, no. I just watched Dave Miller's life. And Dave is a man who serves. See that. I'm picking on Dave this morning. Um, same thing, this, this idea with any type of character. So as an elder, a, a potential elder, you're standing back looking at their life. They're, 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 they're blameless. They, they, they treat their wife in, in such a way they're a one-woman man. They're they're, they're not greedy. They're not brawlers. I mean, these are, these are characteristics. where it's, it's a no-brainer. That's the idea. Whenever I look at this brother's life, I see these things. It's a no-brainer. I mean, right there it is. It's, nobody has to prove it to me. That's, that's what it means to have a character, have character. These are characteristics that are so plain in your life that they begin to develop. That obviously doesn't happen overnight. So, so just like little anthills... You can see them. Sometimes somebody in the in the beginning you gotta get down. And look oh yeah, right there, right there's a little one coming up. That's great. You know, this this area of humility, this area of, of whatever else. But don't stop there. Keep allowing the Lord to build that up. That that anthill turns into, you know, a little mound of a of, of wheelbarrow dirt and then that turns into a dump truck, then that turns into a, a little hill and, and what we want is you know, is Mount Everest in in. In these, in these areas. So how do you get that? Well, it begins with humility. It begins with faith. Right perspective of yourself in light of God. Only the Lord's going to develop those kinds of things in my life, and he's promised to, to do that. We deserve nothing. Humility. And then faith. God promises to do that. He promises to complete the work in you. You have a part in that. You're to labor to the point of exhaustion. You're to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Why can you do that, even whenever it's hard? Because God's at work in you, mightily working in you, giving you the desire and the ability to do of his good pleasure. That's what that, those two words mean. God is mightily working in a believer, changing your desires, giving you his desires. As you read the word and you're transformed by the word, his desires become part of your, your heart. He's granting you his desires and He is granting you the ability to do of His good pleasure. And therefore, I am working on, on, on that basis. I'm not trying to convince God to meet me on the battlefield. I'm not trying to convince God to do something in me. God is way more for your sanctification than you and I will ever be. He, he, he's already awake before you get up in the morning to open your Bible. And He's waiting, ready for you to open your Bible and to meet Him there. And he's already at work in you, giving you those desires and and the ability. So humility and faith. I want my anthills to turn into Mount Everest. I want characteristics that mark my life and the characteristics that look like Christ. And those hills are developed through humility and faith. How do I know if I have it? Well, genuine humility and faith is measured by, by actions, by faithfulness. By things that I actually say and, and, and do, which looks like perseverance and holy striving. I'm laboring. It looks like loyalty, labor, loyalty to Christ whenever I'm tested, and then and then I'm trustworthy. I am what I am when nobody's looking. Um, when nobody gives me credit. Or to use our, our analogy this morning, I am what what Christ wants me to be, even when somebody accuses me of being the opposite. Because what matters supremely? Why, why are we doing this? I mean, uh, we're talking about influence. All influence flows from godly character. What matters supremely is that men know the truth, live the truth, proclaim the truth, and disciple others in the truth. So we talked last time about um, how much do you know? And this morning I want to talk about living. Uh, Open to Ezra, chapter 7, verse 10. Ezra, chapter 7, verse 10. Because here's where this pattern actually comes from. Ezra, chapter 7, verse 10. Ugly time has, has come to pass in Israel and the flowers are beginning to bloom return and good things are happening again one sense you could look at Israel's disobedience in the old testament or our disobedience and the lord graciously brings corrections there's a major correction that happened in in Israel and now here is the blessing Part of the blessing whenever the return starts to happen. Verse 8. He came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. For on the first of the first month, he began to go up to Babylon. And on the first of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem. So all background to know when this happened and what. But but this is what I want you to notice at the end of verse 9 because the good hand of God was upon him. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of God, or study the law of the Lord, to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances to, to Israel. Study, practice, teach, which is where what matters supremely is men know the truth, live the truth, proclaim the truth and disciple others. In the truth. So, so notice the pattern here. The pattern is Ezra studied the law of the Lord before he started trying to practice the law of the Lord, which is where you've got to start. You've got to know the truth before you start trying to live the truth. Now, now don't, don't bifurcate that too much. Well, okay, i just got to study, 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 and once I figure it all out, then I'll start living. You know that's not how it works. You go to the Word, you study the Word, and then you put in practice what you learned that day. Time after time, event after event, question after question, uh, problem after problem, whatever it, it might be. But the point here is you study the Word before obedience happens. Um, You've got to know what, what you're going to, to obey. He studied and then practiced, though. Um, and he did that before he ever opened his mouth, before he ever tried to teach somebody else. You've got to know the truth before you can live the truth. And you ought to, be, you ought to know the truth and be practicing the truth in your own life before you try to convince somebody else of the truth. Now, again, don't take that too far I've got to go to seminary before I can share Jesus with somebody. That's not what we're saying at all. There's a pattern here. The pattern is you go to the Bible, you understand what it says, and then you try to put it in practice in your life, and then the credibility of both of those things is, is, is now, turned toward, now turned toward others. Know the truth, live the truth, and then pro, proclaim the truth. And, and notice uh, what, what started this whole process. How can Ezra do that? Because the good hand of the Lord was upon him. So the Lord's the one that originates this this whole thing. So talk to me this morning about what supremely matters, knowing the truth. How much do you know? What are you doing about it? Well, I don't know a whole lot. What are you doing about that? So we talked about that last time. What about putting it into practice? How would you help somebody that, that, that is studying the Scriptures but not practicing the Scriptures? What, what, what has been helpful in your life to actually put the Bible into practice? How important is it to put the Bible uh, into practice? Yes? Okay. Is it easier to know stuff than to do stuff? You, you know a whole lot, whole lot more than you're actually doing, don't you? That's a constant, to use Mark's uh, analogy of just closing that integrity gap between what I'm, what I'm knowing and what I'm actually practicing, my, my professed. Uh, theology and my practice theology this is what I know about God I know God's good I know God loves me I know these 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 things but but then the minute that that life turns even remotely sour oh Lord where are you at why are you allowing this to happen have you forgot about me you know that's what we do right knowing versus versus practicing and that and and everybody does that it's a matter of of maturity and you, you may do that less, the more mature you get, but that's the instinct of your flesh. So you're constantly closing that gap. and the way you close that gap is you know more about God you, you, and then you start practicing it. Bring that, bringing that gap, that gap together. Yeah. Amen. You'll be intentional. Did you hear that? He basically gave the the paradigm. If if you want to do right, you have to think right. You want to feel right, do right. You want to do right, think right. See correction of the there's a there, there's a there's a tape reel to use Clay's analogy. There's a voice going on in there all the time, and that voice is not always your friend. You want the voice of God playing in there. You gotta catch those, that 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 voice, silence it, and let the, the word of the Lord be speaking into your life, but then it's not just enough to have the right thoughts Then you have to do. So don't deceive yourself of thinking that, that you're, you're, you're doing what you're supposed to, you're practicing the truth by just going to God in prayer and talking to him and telling him certain things about him or, or hearing from him in the Bible and then put that on the shelf and go live the rest. So you, you have to connect that world, Bible world and everyday life. And what we mean by that is the doing, Mark. Okay. Amen. You're talking about the Lord or talking about other people? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, Mark. Practicing righteousness forces your flesh to What do you mean by that? That's good. Well, wait a minute. Now, if I do what I don't feel, doesn't that make me a hypocrite? Isn't that what people say, right? I mean, I don't want to go to church because I don't really, I mean, you know, I don't don't really know I want to be there. So, I mean, if I'm doing something I don't want to do, I mean, I'm just being hypocritical. That's the lie. No, you're being obedient. I'm not being hypocritical. I mean, did I want to get out of bed at 345 this morning? When the alarm went off, I didn't want to get out of bed at 3.45 this morning. want to. My flesh didn't want to. But I talked to myself. It took me an extra 15 minutes this morning to do it. But, but I did. I won the battle. Praise the Lord. That makes me a hypocrite. It makes me obedient. Why? Because I know the truth. The truth is this is responsible. This is the right thing to do. This is, that's practicing what, what I know. Yeah. You hear what he just said? It's not enough to read an exercise magazine or to you know look at the look at the guy with muscles. You actually have to go to the gym. <laughs> you actually have to you have to lift weights. Sometimes you don't want to. So how much do you live? You know a lot. At least you hear a lot. So maybe your maybe your battle is, is paying attention, reading trying to actually figure it out. I don't know a whole lot, but, but some of you may know a whole lot. But how much are you living? What are you doing about it? What are you actually putting into practice? You know the church is important, but how much are you here? How much of your life is actually built around the people of God? I mean, there's a lot of things that we say we know, but our lives tell on us, right? We know that God owns everything that we have. I'm just a steward. We know that. But how much are you giving? Or are you at all? Um, I know that I'm supposed to talk to the Lord. The Lord is my, I mean, He's not just my, you're smart enough. He's not my co-pilot. He's my pilot. Is He flying the plane? Are you talking to Him? See, the danger here with the, with the truth is I don't know it and I don't even have an appetite for it. That's one problem. Or I don't know something and I need to know something. So now I've got to get busy knowing God. i got to get busy learning some information. But then a lot of us, over time, we sit in the church, we sit into the sermons. There is feast after feast prepared for us in our Sunday school classes and we're here and we are bloated with the truth. We got so much truth, it's coming out our ears. But we're not putting a lot of it into practice, which is what this is aiming at. So you're, you're not really completing the, the process. It's great that you know it. But you're not going to own it until you actually do it. And you're not obedient until you actually do it, which is probably why if you're feeling whatever you're feeling this morning, The Lord's loving you enough to prompt you in that that way. Do you follow Jesus? I'm not saying, do you know about him? Do you know his words? Do you follow him? I mean, we are disciples. Don't fall into the, 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 the trap of thinking, I get saved and then somewhere down the road I get serious and then I become a disciple. You are not a decision. You're a disciple from day one. You you submit to Jesus Christ. You figure out he's he's God, he's Lord. He forgives your sins and washes you clean. And then you're you're a little Christ. You're a Christian. You follow the master. You're a disciple. Teach them all things whatsoever, whatsoever I have commanded you. So teaching them to follow me, follow me. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Know, follow me, and you'll learn a bunch of stuff. Follow me. You're going to learn of me. I'm meek and lowly, but follow me, and I will make you, make, make you profitable for the kingdom. I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. Don't follow all of that. Leave all of that behind. Turn away from it. If any man doesn't hate father, mother, brother, sister, even his own life, he's not worthy to be my disciple, my follower, but so you got to turn away from all of that, Le- leave all that behind, and that, that's painful, isn't it? I got to cut all of that away, because it's, it's, it, it, it's taking my loyalty, so loyalty to Christ, and Christ alone, but then I, then, then he's out front, and a lot of times in our Christian lives, we put him out front, and we start following him, and then as we're, we're, we're following him. We, we start doing this or we're picking up a rock over here and we're not paying any, paying any attention. Where's he at? Oh, he's, way, he's way up there. I mean, he, he's, like, he's like a half a mile down the path. I've got to run to catch up with him. Rather than follow me, I'm following you, Lord. <laughs> Your step, all right, that's where I'm going to step. Next step, that's where I'm going to step. I'm following you. I'm locked on you, Lord, following you. And you're putting it into practice. And don't over-spiritualize that. The only time I follow him is whenever I hear a sermon or feel the conviction I might even be feeling right now. Following him looks like in daily life. It looks like leaving Grace and Granite and going to work and being a good employee. It, It means after Grace and Granite, if you were grumpy to your wife when you got out of bed this morning, the first thing that you're doing when it's done is you're sending her a text or calling her saying, please forgive me for... For not loving you the way that, that I should love you, I, you know, I spoke harshly. Um, it looks like being faithful in your job. It looks like not taking, you know, an extra 15 minutes uh, on, your, on your lunch break and stealing from your employer. It, it looks like these practical things. That, but the truth is motivating them. You're not doing that to get to heaven. You're not doing that to look good or impress God. You're doing that because of the truth, because you're committed to the truth. You you know the truth. So how much are you living? How much do you actually pray? I know I'm supposed to pray. If the only time that you're praying is over your food, then that's a problem, obviously. Um, Do you actually believe prayer is important if that's the only time you're praying? Lord, please bless my Chick-fil-A today. I ate at Chick-fil-A. I mean, that's better than eating at, you know, Chipotle. They supported, uh, you know, Pride Month last time. I'm going to eat at Chick-fil-A. It's a Christian place, but I'm going to pray. And that's the only time you're praying? Do you come to church? I mean, you see, don't, don't, again, don't over-spiritualize it, but look at the basics. I mean, first place I would start is these massive boulders. What is basic? following Christ look like? I'm reading the Bible. I'm, I'm gathering with the saints. I'm seeking the Lord in prayer. I'm giving. I'm serving somewhere. I mean, these are basic, basic things. And then, and then I'm, I'm looking at my, my own heart, and then from my own heart, the next sphere of influence I have. I have a wife, I have children. How would God have me be faithful and practice Christianity there, and then I'm, I'm moving into, into my, my employer. If, I'm a, if I am the boss, am I treating my employees properly? Am I ca- actually caring for them? If I'm not, the Lord doesn't like that. On the flip side, if I'm an employee, am I a good one? Marriage relationships. Um, have to know the truth to live the truth and when you're living the truth that actually gives you credibility to speak to others right I mean you I don't know I came to Christ when I was 24 maybe maybe you haven't had this experience but I remember as an unsaved man a Christian let's say he is witnessing to me or preaching to me or or telling me I'm doing something wrong when I could see his own life wasn't measuring up. Do you think I listened to that guy? (laughs) That was my fodder. I mean, that's wood for the fire. Yeah, hypocrite, whatever it is. But Theda Lewis, the lady that was instrumental in my life, I couldn't argue with her life. I couldn't argue with the integrity of her life. There wasn't really anything there other than it was genuine. And that was that, that 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 echoed the truth. It, it, it didn't allow me to escape the words that, that she was that she was sharing with me. Don't underestimate the power of a testimony and integrity in in, in your life. Um, know the truth and live the truth before you start proclaiming the truth. Um, now again, don't take that too far. I'm not saying you have to you have to be a pastor before you can witness to somebody. Just whenever you're witnessing to somebody, you're acknowledging to them that I, I'm right here where you're at. I'm in the same boat. I'm working I'm working the angles too. But there's integrity in what you're saying. And when there's not, there's humility. You're confessing it. Because it's all about him. What are some other ways that you you think through this? Knowing the truth, living the truth. Yeah, Ed? amen and how do you teach them that's what i was sitting here thinking I mean Ed just put his finger right on the hardest part of me being a husband I mean you understand if you want your wife to ask your forgiveness whenever she speaks harshly to you or whatever the circumstance is you know how you you teach your wife to do that model it <laughs> you don't tell her hey whenever yeah, this is what you're supposed to do That means every single time that you do the wrong thing, you go to her and ask her forgiveness. And guess what? You're teaching her what 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 to do. If you speak harshly to her, or you don't, you 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 trample on her feelings. You, 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 what do you think that you're going to do? I mean, or you, you want another example? You've been in a church where the guy in the pulpit is just a mean, nasty dude, right? He's ripping everybody's face off. He's elevating himself. He's proud. He's these types of... And he, then he doesn't understand why the deacons eat him or why the church turns on him. Well, you just train them to be that way. So it's not just what we're, what we're, we're taught. It's, it's modeled. And that's, re, that's what real spiritual leadership looks like in your home. you knowing what Christ says to do, and you're putting it into practice toward them. It's not just saying... I can say all I, all I want to, it's, it's actually living it. And as I'm living it, now I'm giving them flesh and blood. I'm, I'm modeling to them what it, actually, what it actually looks like in life. And that is, that's hard. Because the last thing that I want to do whenever my, my wife is harsh to me, which is very rare in Tracy's case, Last thing that I want to do in, in that situation is go back to her and own maybe what I did. Let's say she's 90% and I'm 10%. The last thing I want to do is go to her and say, hey, you know, I, I can see where maybe I, I, made, I made your day difficult. You know, I, I wasn't attentive earlier and that helped you, you know, get, get to this place. I just I want to ask your forgiveness for that. And it's the last thing in the world I want to do. What, what, what do I want to do? she understand what I've been doing all day? I mean, I got up at 4 o'clock and preached grace and granted. I'm living for the Lord. I'm serving the Lord. And I come home, and this is how she treats me? That's what my flesh wants to do, right? And then I, and maybe I'm right. Maybe she is way out there in left field and, and, and done the wrong thing. But do you think me pointing that out to her or beating her over the head is actually going to transform her? Huh? Modeling is going to transform her. <laughs> well, what truth I go to in that in that moment. Let, so you're saying I I, uh, I I come home and what I mean I'm reminding myself where's my flesh going? My flesh is, is is exalting, it's lifting up above her. And so the first thing I tell myself is what is wrong with you? You deserve hell. <laughs> I mean, this this goes back to the humility part. What the, a right perspective of self because of a right perspective of God, what, what do I actually what do I actually deserve? Um, and and so I'm always looking here rather than rather than looking at her. So I mean, I, I deserve hell. I mean, and then I'm and then I'm 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 talking to myself about um, what 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 will act. What am I supposed to do in this moment? What would be pleasing to Christ in this moment? Soft word turns away wrath. I mean, if I come back at her, the Bible tells me that I'm going to actually increase. I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to increase her temptation to sin. And my job as a husband is not to increase her temptation to sin, it's actually to decrease her temptation to sin. But my flesh is telling me, how dare her talk to me? Like, doesn't she know I'm the man? So I am, I am I'm telling myself the, the truth in, in that moment. And let's say it doesn't work. Let's say I'm humble, and I even say to her, hey, honey, I'm... You know, I, I I'm looking at my life here. I, I look looking at today. I probably put a little bit more on you than I should have. Been, you know, in this way, so forgive me. how can I help you? You know, and let's say she she bites back at me. You know, in in, in that moment again. Now I am I'm leaving her to the Lord. I'm praying for her. I'm not retaliating because I know she's the Lord's, and I know the Lord's going to do that work in her, and she's going to come back to me later. And she's she's going to do what she always does in, in those in those cases. Forgive me, you know, after the, the cooling of the moment and the Lord can you know can help her see. So I'm 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 practicing humility and faith. I'm reminding myself of who I am and what I deserve, and then I'm reminding myself of the truth. What does God command me to do and not do in this you know, in this situation. And then if you want to use even our psalm this morning, I'm appealing to God. Lord, you know, know, maybe there's something I'm not seeing. I mean, I just had a situation Sunday afternoon where I said something to Tracy, and I had no idea. Like, I'm oblivious to how this is sounding or coming across. I mean, genuinely oblivious. But I saw the look on her face that's a weird look, you know? And so then I follow up on that. I don't just blow it off. I actually was smart enough to follow up on it. Hey, what, what was that look? <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, this, this is how this came across, and this is how this looked, and it was even, you know, in front of, in front of the kids and, you know, and others, and I was trying to do this, and, and so, yeah, it was hurtful. And I'm like, I mean, it's all just falling on me in the moment. Like, in the moment, I'm totally oblivious. I'm not intending to do any of that. But through her eyes, I was able to see my sin. I was able to see the, the way that she saw it. Um, and so my point to that is you're not always aware, which is why you do have to appeal to God. Lord, I don't know of anything, but you know me better than I do. And sometimes they know us better. And look, it's not just what you think uh, or even what you, the Lord reveals to you because you could still be blunt. So she's there to help you. And you're to dwell with her as a fellow heir of the grace of life. And you're to dwell with her with understanding. And so in one sense, if she perceived it that way, and it's hurtful, then that's enough to seek her forgiveness. And model model that. And then that will bear fruit in, in your life. Bed. Yeah. We can model it, but we ought to tell that wife or child or whoever why we are saying that. Why why am I saying I'm invented? What did the Bible say that I said? So we always bring it back to the Bible, this is why I'm doing it, because this is what God says to do. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, it's not just to make the problem go away, or you know, to elevate yourself. It's it's all of the authority is rooted in rooted in Scripture. Yep. Please. Yeah. I do. No, that's excellent. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's gotta be in there before you can before you can practice it. And if you don't know, you'll you'll if you're married you'll probably learn pretty quickly because you'll respond to her flesh in the flesh and more flesh is coming. (laughs) He is ugly. Amen. So I think if you just find the areas your life's on fire that you are perpetuating like start. That was a mouthful right there. That was worth you getting out of bed this morning. Did you hear what he just said? Where do you start? Look at the areas of your life where your life's on fire, <laughs> where there's problems and, 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 and you've been trying your own solutions for however long and, and they're, they're failing. That, that's, that, that's a telltale sign. That you're not putting the truth into practice in that area of your life because the truth works. It does. Yeah. More fruit, bad fruit. That's great. Yes, sir? Um, one thing about sanctification and, truth yep. and the truth and these characters that we're building, we have to practice them regularly. Yeah. Because if we don't, we forget it. We do. And then when the situation arises, you make more mistakes trying to make it right because you forgot how to do it. Yeah. And, uh, Amen. good when you do something wrong, own it mm-hmm. yeah amen I mean, don't wait. amen That's yeah absolutely i think what you said in the beginning was so important too Just when you're talking about living it it's it's practicing it's it's over and over it's it's regular how quickly you can break a practice break a, a good habit I'm not telling you to do this, but stop coming to church on Sunday night for, for three Sunday nights. See how easy it, it is not to come and something else to fill in your life on the fourth one. And the next thing you know, you're not coming at all. And you're not even thinking about it anymore. It's just easy. The encouragement part of that is, if you're not coming, start coming. And about the third one, it'll get more normal. You've got to practice it over, over and over. You're not giving, start with something. And, yeah, it's painful in the beginning. You might not get your Starbucks or your Chick-fil-A or your whatever else it is. You might have to pack your lunch a couple times a week. But then it gets easier as you, as you go along. Practicing it is what actually, striking that hammer is what drives the nail down in it. Don't just pick the nail up and look at it. Yeah, it's a nail. It's got to go in the board. Good nail. Hit it over and over and over and over. And it goes in the board. And then the board's nailed down, and it's it, it's important. We use our uh, analogy: of the railroad tri- railroad spike and the tie, because the train's coming. Life difficulty, your own heart, and everything else. And if that stuff's loose, it's something else you got to deal with. You want to tighten all that up? Great. Yes, sir. Final thought. good amen let's pray Lord we love you we thank you so much for the day help us to take what we have learned and put it into practice if there's conviction or an area of our life that you have put your finger on um, before we pull out of the parking lot may we just bow our heads and confess it to you and ask you to help us to put this into practice and then immediately take some action uh, to do that, Lord. And then help us to do it again and again and again uh, because we want to know the truth and we want to live it for your glory. And We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.